Welcome to Beyond the Knife, a bariatric surgery podcast from Perth Obesity Solutions. Join Dr. Siva Sundarajan, one of Perth's leading weight loss surgeons, and his team as we explore all aspects of your weight loss journey from where to start to maintaining your long-term success. Welcome to our episode two, Science of Obesity for Beyond the Knife, a bariatric surgery podcast. My name is Evelyn Timms. I'm with Magic Studios, and we're here in collaboration with Dr. Siva from Perth Obesity Solutions to discuss bariatric surgery. Specifically today, we really want to look at the science of obesity, why why it happens, what makes it such a significant issue in society. So perhaps, Dr. Silva, you can tell us a bit more about the scale of the problem that actually exists. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, obesity is a, a very significant problem in our society now. It's uh, almost to, at an epidemic proportion in Australia, about 70% of us carry excess weight, and that translates to more than 18 million people. 18 million people. In the country, correct. H- how many people do we actually have in the country? <laughs> Far out. I think it's about 20, 25, 26 million Australians at the moment. That's incredible. And excess weight is anything you carry past a BMI or body mass index of 25. A healthy BMI is between... 20 to 25 uh, kilogram per meter square. And if you're overweight, your BMI is between 25 to 30. And if you're obese, it's beyond 30. And this is not a disease that is just confined to adults. About one in four children carry excess weight. And that number is predicted to go up even further to one in three by the end of this decade. Um, That's actually genuinely shocking. Yes, it is quite scary and maybe even hard to believe. But that's the reality of what is facing our society today. So even we might be so used to seeing ourselves in a certain way that we're not realising it's not actually healthy per se. That's correct. So in the 1980s, about 50% of Australians were were carrying excess weight. And progressively over the years, that's come to more than 70%. (gasps) Wow. Yep. That's that's unbelievable. It's actually quite depressing when you were talking about the BMI, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm more than that. <laughs> I okay. So um, maybe you can explain to me a little bit more about why it is that we we are overweight. The human body has several hormones that regulate your weight. One of them is called leptin, that is made by the fat cells in the body, and it's a marker of how much energy store that that we carry. So if your leptin levels decrease uh, when you're, say, on a diet or in a a starvation mode, then your brain gets a signal that you need to accumulate more energy stores. So your body goes into this defensive mode where you become more hungry and your basal metabolic rate will decrease. And so you end up burning less energy and accumulate. And so you put on weight. There are other hormones. There's another one called ghrelin, which is the only hunger hormone we've ever discovered. And that goes up, uh, and when it goes up, you're hungry. And that's made by the outer portion of the stomach, uh, which is incidentally what we remove when we do a gastric sleeve. And so when you're um, fasting or on a diet, the ghrelin level goes up, 
and that will make you more hungry. So when your diet eventually finishes, like they all do, (laughs) then you will catch up. And often uh, people find that their weight seems to overshoot from where they started. And there are a few other hormones which are called satiety hormones, and they tell the body when you're full. So if you're eating a meal uh, and the and the processed food gets to your small intestine, then they produce these hormones that tell you to stop eating. So this complex interaction that these hormones have regulate when we put on weight, how much you're going to put on. And there's a generally accepted theory that humans have a set point where your body has decided that you need to be 100 kilograms. So if you go beyond that, then not much happens. But when you drop below that level, then your body goes into that defensive mode and the overall effect is for you to maintain that weight. So your weight is actually uh, due to a interaction between your genetics and the environment. And the genetics of obesity is not as straightforward as other conditions like Down syndrome or cystic fibrosis, where there's a specific mutation that leads to a disorder. In obesity, I think the environment plays a far greater role. And it's the environment that has changed significantly over the last several decades. There's now an abundance of high-calorie, low-nutritional food out there. We're surrounded by sugar, uh, and it's very hard to avoid it. And I think it's even things that people don't realize when they pick up a can and they look on the back of the ingredients, there's sugar added to things like tomato sauce and, and you know, not even just the sugar-free stuff. There's actually other things in there that can affect that. That's correct, TV. Uh, if you look at tomato ketchup, about 25% of it is sugar, and some brands it's even higher. And shockingly, some of the children's cereals are about 50% sugar. How does obesity actually affect your health? Well, obesity affects both your physical and mental health. There are risk of heart disease, stroke, diabetes. They're all much higher in patients with obesity. And the more obese you are, the higher the risk. Young people can also have fertility issues, uh, and like the case I spoke to you about earlier. And some cancer risks are about two to threefold compared to the average population. What sort of cancers are we talking about? Um, endometrial cancer, ovarian cancer, uh, gut or colon cancer. There are about 13 cancers that have a higher incidence in patients with obesity. There is also a much higher incidence of mental health illness in this population. About 50% suffer from anxiety or depression. And a significant contribution to this is from society's misguided views about obese people, and some regard them as lazy or or lacking self-discipline, and it's completely not true, certainly not in the patients that I see in my my rooms. Mm, And how they, yeah, I'm sure it would. So a lot of people that suffer from obesity are prone to obviously do things like yo-yo diets and um, finding out ways that they can possibly get their weight loss journey to happen. And I mean, myself included, I know a lot of people that they'll start and then they'll lose the momentum because they're not finding that they're losing weight. Why is it that diets don't work? I would actually argue that they do work. Uh, There are so many different methods and theories 
But unfortunately, almost all of them are just not sustainable in the long run. All these diets cost a significant shift in the hormone levels that would promote weight gain once the diet stops. And most diets don't last more than a few weeks. And I imagine that's where a lot of the depression would come in as well, is having put in all this effort and energy and being just so momentous, like a little moment in time and then already putting it all back on. And, And that would also lead to people being confused Mm. and frustrated about why they just can't seem to keep the weight off. They've been on a diet, they've lost all the weight, and and they've made some positive changes to their life. They're exercising and they're eating healthy. But subconsciously, their body will conserve that energy and drive them back to their set point. Mm. And so their weight will increase slowly over time. And possibly even the, the like the frustration of, of doing a diet that worked the first time and then you go back to it realising you've put on weight and it doesn't work the second time. So I imagine that there's a lot in the body that's uh, coming into play there. So are there any medications that might be on the market to help you lose weight? And can you discuss a little bit about them? There are three medications uh, that are currently being used for weight loss in Australia. The most commonly used one is something called fentermine or Duramine, as it's uh, commonly known. There's also liraglutide or Sexenda, which is a brand name, and that's an injection that you give yourself every day. And the last one is uh, something called Contref. That is a combination of two types of medication. One is um, called bupropion, which is a antidepressant, and the other component of it is uh, naltrexone, which is used for opiate addiction. The use of these medications is limited either by their cost for the injections or the side effects. Fentermine can cause insomnia, panic attacks, and even palpitations. I've heard about palpitations, and yeah. So, and the other two are uh, Contrave and Sexenda. And whilst these medications do work, uh, they are limited by how long you can use them for, and in the long run, they they just don't work when you stop them. So you would would you you would have to maintain through diet and things like that after, or would you always put back the weight? Um, if you stop these medications, over time people tend to revert back to their previous dietary habits and. And that's the biggest problem, that if your lifestyle change is not permanent, then neither is the weight loss. Mm. And then no, no medication is going to make a difference in that sense. Yeah, yeah sadly okay. so. So what is it specifically about surgery that can help you lose weight? With surgery, you disrupt the hormonal balance. The hunger hormone levels decrease, the satiety hormone levels increase, And the net effect is weight loss, which is maintained long-term. You still need to have your lifestyle changes to give you the best possible result. And surgery is not a magic wand. It's more like a helping hand to assist you in your weight loss journey. What would you say is the best operation to have for bariatric surgery? There is no such uh, thing as the best operation. There are options for weight loss surgery, and you have to consider these options almost like tools in a workshop. You need to pick the right tool for each job, 
And in bariatric surgery, you have to tailor the treatment to the patient's individual needs, their pre-existing medical conditions, and also the expectations. Mm, it's very, very custom to, to what they're going through. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that makes complete sense. And I think on that note, it's a great place perhaps to finish um, talking about sort of the science behind it. I'm sure there's a lot more that's going to come in the uh, episodes to follow. But um, for the next one, what if we talk about how you might prepare for surgery? I think that might be something that would interest our listeners yeah, be, a great deal. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so check we'll, in. We'll, we'll chat about that uh, the next time we meet. Yeah, and, and the eligibility, what's required to actually um, get this type of surgery. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Siva, and we will uh, see you for the next episode. Thank you. Thanks, Evie. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Knife, a bariatric surgery podcast from Perth Obesity Solutions. We hope this helped improve your understanding of weight loss surgery. For more information, visit our website on perthobesitysolutions.com.au where we have operative videos and patient information sheets that you can download. If you wish to see Dr. Siva, please call the rooms on 6313 3772 or email info at perthobesitysolutions.com.au. 